Dotnet Rocks episode 599 with guest Andrew Brust, recorded live Sunday, June 27th, 2010. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, by Haystack, and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now here's Carl and Richard. Carl and Richard here. You're listening to the Dotnet Rocks Live Weekend, and we're here with Andrew Brust. Hi, Andrew. Good afternoon. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Is the weather as nice in sunny New York as it is two hours north in uh, New London, Connecticut? It's it's oppressively humid outside. It's also... <laughs> It's also very, very busy because I live about five blocks from the birthplace of the gay pride movement, and today is Gay Pride Day, so there's a big party outside. Nice. Yeah. Very Lots of rainbow flags. Um, there's, half there's naked a- men walking abreast. Uh, <laughs> walking abreast. Um, I actually <laughs> haven't seen any of that. It's been, it's been very... No breasts allowed. I've always you know, wanted sorry. to be one of two men walking abreast. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite it's quite a commerce um occasion at this point. I mean you yeah. see you see Budweiser banners of, you know, uh, applauding gay pride and I you know I'm like Mark Miller. I want to know where's the parade for guys who want to do it with two girls at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> where's my parade? Yeah. Pro- probably the other side of the Hudson River, I'm guessing. <laughs> Can we have a flaming heterosexual parade? Is that possible? We could try. All right. I'm done. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. thanks. Good thanks so much for calling in, Madam Andrew. It's been, it's been really been, great. Yeah, it's been great. So, what have you been working on these days, my friend? Um, I have been working on a uh, on a collection of stuff. My my latest passion is to give myself a makeover as a wise guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, um, you're I, not one I would take as a wise guy for a wise guy. <laughs> but I guess maybe living in New York, you know, it's sort of seeping into your soul a little bit. The wise guy thing. It. It's, it, I could co- hold it back for only so long, Man. but um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I've been oh, for over a year now writing a column called Redmond Review, which I've been using as a bit of a soapbox on various issues affecting, you know, not at the API level, but affecting Microsoft and Microsoft partners and 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 customers and 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 the whole ecosystem. Sure. Um, and and trying to blog a lot more actively too. I had this secret plan to ask Visual Studio Mag and Redmond Developer News to have their websites carry my blogs. Um, also, that I would be forced to post more often, and that, right. that's worked out pretty well. Um, and this week, I actually went down to the city council and testified at a hearing on uh, open government data. Open government data. What does that yeah. mean? OGD for short. Well, it, I suppose so. Actually, Microsoft has a technology called OGDI for short, which is the Open Government Data Initiative, and that did enter into my testimony. But um, mm. I pushed that out till the end so that I could focus on more nonpartisan issues, if you will. But uh, this, yeah, the city council is um, is moving to create a local law that would have all city agencies, and um, you, you may not know, but New York City has. 30 or 40 mayoral agencies within its government. Wow. Yeah. I I think we're the fourth largest or third largest municipal or state and local government. We're our our city government's bigger than most states as is the budget. So the idea is that basically every agency needs to publish all of their sort of non-secure non-privacy related data uh, in raw form. Um, That's 
proposed legislation, and I, I think it's a great idea, um, but uh, it's something that the, the council's been working on for over a year. So, um, so it's Im- imperative that uh, these agencies share data, and because of that, they need to f- define open data uh, protocols. What is it? Is it about protocols or is it about accessibility? Well, it's mostly about accessibility, although protocol protocol enters into it and, and politics enters into it. So we had, Google was down there um, testifying in person. Microsoft was not, although supposedly they submitted testimony in writing. Um, but Google's very happy to host everything for free, um, which makes sense because then they can crawl it and, and leverage it. Um, and... Uh, uh, it, it's mostly not about format and not about protocol. It's mostly just about the mandate that the agencies must share their data um, so that really citizens can have a more transparent government and entrepreneurs can have access to the data and create products that add value to it. Now, I mean, obviously, there's some work here on the government side. They've got to decide what is private and what is, you know, sensitive and shouldn't be published. So, I mean, you're talking about every council meeting, every uh, every kind of meeting, and every document produced by government having to be reviewed before it can be published into the system. Sounds like a job for OData. Um, and that's what the Open Government Data Initiative, or OGDI, is actually based on. It's based on OData. It's based on Azure. Um, and Beautiful. what that means, of course, is that the data comes out in in in, in Atom Pub-based XML format using a collection of open web standards, including REST and HTTP. And uh, what's what's nice about it, and that a lot of other governments apparently are not really thinking about is that it's not just about publishing static feeds, but it, it, it you know, provides an API right away so that that, que- that data can actually be queried, and the data can even be updated, which makes sense, right? You can imagine a service where people could report crimes online. Um, imagine, for example, you had an app on your phone that allowed you, at with the tap of a button, to report a, a crime happening right at that moment. And uh, perhaps the um, GPS in your phone would alert the authorities to your precise location. Maybe the camera could even enter into it. Well, I don't know if that would work because then somebody has to vet what's a crime and what's, you know, a guy with plumber's crack. Nope, that, that's absolutely true. Which there is a crime, be, but it's There not... would have to be some algorithmic uh, noise reduction. But yeah, uh, if you think about it... That's an algorithm. <laughs> that's true over the phone, too, right? It's just uh, you don't quite get the same scale. Yeah, so right. there's, lo- there's, lots of, there's lots of data that I think is not um, controversial, right? I mean, potholes, um, crime statistics, at least, are not um, all kinds of economic data. It still feels like a booby trap, you know? If you're too casual publishing this stuff, you're going to publish something that people are going to decide was sensitive and you're going to be in trouble. And if you take the time to review it all, then it's going to take a long time to publish that stuff and you're going to be in trouble. Like, I I feel for the government in the sense that there's no good way to pull this off. You're going to have problems. Well, that's the story of being in charge of infrastructure, right? Yeah. It's like nobody nobody wants to be the person that brought in the new phone system. Because right? <laughs> it, it works that, perfectly, nobody can tell, and it probably exactly doesn't work right. perfectly, and it's all your fault. That's right. The perfect success is if nobody says anything. Right. So I know SQL Server has easy, uh, makes it easy for you to publish data through OData, but 
What about other databases? What about Oracle databases? What about MySQL? What about non-relational databases? Is is that a nightmare waiting to happen? Uh, if we're talking about OData specifically, there's there's a couple of ways to think about it. I mean, first of all, if you're on the Windows platform in terms of exposing the data, then anything that has uh, an enterprise framework provider to it, um, and so far, you know, that's that's mostly in the Microsoft sphere. But mm-hmm. there's 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 been there's been loud rumors that Oracle's coming soon. Um, but anything with anything with with an EF provider would be would be exposable. But beyond that, what the guys have actually done with OData is they've decoupled it from Windows and and from Enterprise Framework, and they've basically said, here's here's an open protocol that you can implement natively. And actually, IBM went ahead and did that with their um, with their data grid technology. They have. Um, they have uh, a, a data grid, you know, cloud data grid a, uh, a product, and uh, basically decide that they decided that they would implement their REST interface using OData as the protocol. Um, and and my understanding from from talking to folks on the team is that um, the, the the OData team itself didn't even find out about this until they saw a video about it on YouTube. Huh. So that that <laughs> that's how that's how independently of Microsoft you can do this. Now, having said that, that's that's the only example I know of a non Microsoft platform doing that. But it does it does at least prove the concept. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. We've been blown away by the uptake and the quick adoption of Silverlight. It's no secret, though, that the platform didn't provide for consistent integration with the web analytics services. Well, not anymore. As you might have already heard, Microsoft announced its Silverlight analytics framework, which solves the above-mentioned problem. But what's also interesting is that Telerik already provides support for the framework. Telerik's the first UI components vendor to offer handlers for the Silverlight analytics framework. Using RAD controls for Silverlight, you can immediately benefit from the advantages of the platform and start tracking the statistics of your applications. You can read details and download the handlers at Telerik.com slash Silverlight. And hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, Facebook.com slash Telerik. I feel sorry for the .NET developer that has to uh, is charged with you know going into some I don't know DB2 or some kind of um you know date non maybe even a non relational database but certainly a non Microsoft database or non touchable database and having to implement OData is is that uh, do if you have access to tables and whatnot. Do you think it would be a fairly straightforward uh, thing to do if you were going to do it yourself? Well, I, I think you have to define the premise. If if you've got somebody who's a real XML nerd, then yes, I think it's a fairly straightforward thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, you really so for, do have to be for, that guy. Yeah, yeah, but you but but you don't have to be a .NET developer. I, the the point is the OData interface for IBM's data grid was not implemented in .NET and it, and and it need not be because all this is about is pushing the data out in the right AtomPub extended AtomPub format mm-hmm. and interpreting the URLs with the with the query instructions strung at the end of them. 
the right way. Right. Um, and that's what's so nice about it, right, is that there, it, it, it really is decoupled from a, from a particular platform. Pete Brown, uh, Pete Brown says from uh, Skype, the killer app for open government data, there's now a public OData feed of all the red light cameras in D.C. and speed cameras. There's a bunch of District of Columbia data on, on OGDI. Um, there's a couple of federal agencies, U.S. federal agencies, and uh, this is a little bit random, but the city of Edmonton in Canada has decided and has implemented their own open data service on OGDI. So there, there, there are real live examples out there. Um, OData is awesome. I mean, I can't believe how widely it's been adopted in such a short period of time. Well, I, I mean, my observation is that it's been widely adopted within Microsoft, and I'm not saying that to be coy. I mean, we all know, those of us who work closely with Microsoft know it's not a monolithic organization, right? All, all the different product teams within the company tend to work, shall we say, independently. And the idea that so many of them have standardized on this, um, you know, to me, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a world in miniature right there that has, uh, that has kind of united around something. To the outside world, it just kind of looks like, well, okay, great. Microsoft standardized on its own technology. Big whoop. But it is a big whoop. Um, reporting services in 2008 R2 can render all of its reports, and not just the text data, but even the chart data can be rendered as OData. Um, all SharePoint lists and SharePoint 2010. Um, as you know, the, uh, the, the uh, table storage in Azure and uh, if you didn't know, the, the SQL Azure now, when you, when you push your database up there, there's literally one checkbox you can check off, and it will, it will publish the entire database uh, as, a, as a set of OData feeds. So cool. And there are, there are external com- companies yeah. external to Microsoft that Netflix. are supporting OData. I mean, obviously Netflix is doing it, but they, I think they've got a fair bit of Microsoft technology involved as well. But, I mean, I've been looking at pieces around how IBM's REST engine is working on the OData protocol. Right. So there, there are other groups out there that are saying this is not a bad thing. And, and isn't Microsoft submitting OData to uh, uh, the Internet Task Force or trying to get it made as a generalized standard, not uh, necessarily company-specific? If they're doing that, I, I wasn't aware of it. I would expect that they will at some point, but that I think they want to do more with the OData standard and more innovating before they put it through the bureaucratic process of submitting it to a standards organization. My, my guess is that's the ultimate goal. Right. But, but as soon as you do that, everything slows down. So you really want to get... You want to get it as mature as, and in yeah. use as possible. And as pointed out by Fritz in the uh, IRC chat room, Dallas is really the, the, the killer feature of OData. Mm-hmm. The that's killer app. Right. What I love also about the OGDI, the Open Government Data Initiative, is that it wasn't even developed in, uh, uh, by a team in Redmond. It was actually the field uh, the developer and platform evangelism group that um, is dedicated to the U.S. public sector. They're the guys who built it. And they built it not as a, as a product, but really as uh, a whole uh, code-based starter kit for building your own for governments to build their own open data platform, and that code is completely open sourced. Interesting. There's 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 a lot of I, I mean you know pe- people outside the Microsoft world may greet this with you know with cynicism or with skepticism, but I think there's a lot of selflessness in this. I think this is 
you know, if you look at OData, first of all, I think the team's very, um, very earnest about making it truly open and, you know, not having a commercial agenda to it um, and just really getting it so that we have something on the Internet that can be fully expressive of all relational data and accommodating of all relational data operations. And um, and then if you look at OGDI, it's, it's, just, it's just done to help governments, you know, get online faster. You know, we really haven't talked about Dallas and all the goodness that lies therein on the show before, Richard. Maybe this is a good time to talk about Project Dallas. Um, Andrew, what's been your experience with it? Or maybe you could just lead off with telling everybody what it's all about. Um, in effect, it's it's a way to leverage OData and get your data feeds out there and do it in the in the Azure infrastructure. And, um, yeah, and there's so many feeds that are available within this group of data feeds that will blow you you blow your mind that you can just start consuming right now that's right and and the idea is to have this be really you know i i i i hate to use uh you know microsoft's uh competitions term to define their own offering but this really is sort of an app store for data feeds right the idea yeah. Is if you've got the data, first of all, if you want, if you want to make the data public, fine. If you want to charge for it, here's a platform to do that in a reasonable way without you having to build a bunch of infrastructure yourself. So it's the same sort of idea that, you know, smaller concerns can get online quickly and can get in front of a, a really large consuming audience. Here's one right here that just went up. 2006 and 2007 crime in the United States. Data.gov provides extraction of offense, arrest, and clearance data, as well as law enforcement staffing information from the FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting UCR program. And there's yeah. a bunch of United Nations uh, data right. up there, UNESCO too. UNESCO, statistics, Info USA, business analytics, US, UK, and Canada. Right. And some of these are free and some are not. Is that the story? I think at the moment, because Dallas is still a code name and the project is still in its formative stages, uh, my, I, I had thought actually that for a limited time at least everything is free. Um, but eventually, uh, there will be commercial subscription content up there as well. What a great, uh, a great way to do mashups. Of, Absolutely. Yeah, this is the, yeah, the next generation of mashups. I totally agree. Yeah, that was your, I think you, said that about OData earlier in the yeah. day. Hey, uh, Andrew, C-Sharp Fritz uh, on the IRC chat is uh, saying, uh, as a software architect on a large multi-tenant web-based application, my primary concern with OData services is security. Mm, indeed. Can you speak more about how to handle authentication in OData? Um, I was thinking that that question might come up even sooner. <laughs> but, but here it <laughs> How is How did now. it take so long? It, it is an right. open data protocol, and you can do CRUD operations. So That's right. I'm thinking I mean, it's IIS. You're thinking, yeah. I mean, it's sort of <laughs> it's sort of the same story that SOAP web services were when they first came out. Right. Is, right? Uh, there's no built-in security, but it's just, it's just HTTP, man. So use SSL and <laughs> use HTTPS or use your own scheme on the server and, and you can authenticate people. Um, I know that the team is, is, is working on making that story a lot better. And that's, I think that's one big reason it hasn't been pushed out to any standards organizations yet. I mean, that, you know, uh, they're, 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 the, the team's well aware that not all 
cloud data services will be public cloud data services. Right. Yeah, crime stats is going to be freely available, but there's plenty of other things that aren't going to be. So how do we... How do, it's not just securing, it's also how do we have an effective billing engine around it? How do we make sure that it's used properly? This are, those are fairly tough questions to answer. Absolutely. But uh, I, 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 think, I think the solution that comes out will be robust. But it's definitely, you know, it's iterative. And the first, the first and second iterations involve the premise that, that the data is open. Um, most feeds, though, aren't going to accommodate updates and so forth. I mean, you, you can right. if that's what you want to do, but um, but it's sort of an all-or-nothing premise. It's right. Not, it's not a role-based premise for that right now. You know, it's it's pretty interesting how RSS as a protocol, you know, was really utilized by, you know, journalists and, you know, newspapers, magazines, blogs. That kind of stuff where you've got these short stories, but OData really takes that idea and encapsulates all kinds of data. And, uh, and, and now you're seeing what we thought was we were going to see with RSS, which is the widespread adoption of an XML based protocol for exposing sets of data that can be queried over, over REST. Right. And we're seeing it instead based on Atom Pub. On Atom. Yeah. yeah which is interesting. Yeah. Because Adam's more robust. And I remember kind of when RSS went from 1.0 to 2.0 and a bunch of sites also had Adam, I was scratching my head saying, you know, why even bother? And then it turns out right. the Dark Horse kind of won. So, um, you know, David Weiner might, might not be so pleased with that. But uh, yeah, but there it is. Um, really, you know, the power of a standard isn't everybody agreeing upon it and using it. Right. <laughs> well, and, and you're exactly right. RSS went that way too, right? RSS mm-hmm. blew up on its own. When it, when it came out, so many people implemented it, it effectively became the standard. It had nothing to do with its quality. Right. It had nothing to do with its feature set. It had to do really with its simplicity, which is, comes back to its Jersey name. Jersey Shore says, OData is the new cables. Cables? Cables in, pr- in uh, quotes. Do you mean like hooking a cable from one thing to another? Sort of like a virtual cable, or are you referring to something uh, specific? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, Darryl maybe Miller. maybe it's a maybe it's a hooking stuff together reference. Uh, David Mil- Daryl Miller says, in theory, authentication and authorization should be orthogonal issue to the OData service. Use whatever security your underlying protocol supplies. Right. In this case, it's HTTP, and in the case of Microsoft Stack, it's IIS. Right. Which yeah. is. Which is why I said this is exactly the same thing as the first generation of Soap Webster. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sort of like this shrug off, like, well, that's not the point. I mean, security is handled by the protocol we're running on, right? But then came the WS star standards for, for making things secure. And we so, all know um, how well those went. <laughs> he means <laughs> but they, cable. But they, they were there because they needed to be there, right? I mean, arguably, that's what made REST so popular was that Soap got so complicated. But yeah. But for enterprise use, they were still absolutely necessary. He means cable as a journalism term. Like telegrams? Yeah, like telegrams. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. I missed that one. Oh, that seems like a stretch to me. But okay, I won't disagree. <laughs> well, it's certainly, you know, the metaphor is there as a, as, a, as a glue, as a way to hook up data from one real data. I mean, this isn't just... You know, this isn't just publish a list of items or something. Yeah. This is a queryable Chunk data source. Data. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
And, you know, and this is where all my little worlds start coming together. You guys know I've, I've sort of been in the developer world for a long time and the BI world for a goodly amount of time, sure. not as long. And now there's this thing called Power Pivot, and it's tying all this stuff together because yep. Power Pivot is the sort of rich client consumer of OData feeds, including Open Government Data Initiative feeds and Dallas feeds. Um, basically, they let you bring all this data um, into a model, um, and we can talk about what a model really is, but right now we'll just call it a model, and then eventually push it into Excel and, and do real analytics on it. So um, not only is the data out there, but you can actually start pulling stuff in and, you know, breaking breaking crime crime statistics down by zip code or, or neighborhood or council district or... Um, you know, economic strata or what have you becomes becomes very, very simple to do that. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by the Haystack Code Generator for .NET, code generation on steroids. Want more control over your code gen? Want your code generator to give you Silverlight 4, WPF, and ASP.NET CRUD screens? The Haystack Code Generator for .NET will generate entity, data, and business rule classes for all your SQL Server and Oracle tables, views, and store procedures. Haystack generates ASP.NET, WPF, and Silverlight user controls, view model classes, and WCF service layer classes for true end-tier applications. Check out CodeHaystack.com, download the user manual, and watch the videos for more information on this great product. They host a live webcast every two weeks. You can sign up at pdsa.com slash webcasts and see how Haystack will shorten your development cycle. Well, that makes sense with your BI background, looking at OData as sort of a new form of VTL, right? That you're... You're changing this. What was the acronym you just used? ETL. Yeah, yeah. ETL. Yeah. It said the, oh, ETL. I it, thought you said VPL, like visible VPL? panty lines. You completely visible panty lines. Especially given where this conversation what, began. What so. are you talking about? <laughs> are you thinking about that parade conversation we were having earlier? <laughs> that was my point. Yeah. ETL, my friends. Extract, <laughs> transform, and load. Any BI guy knows that. We're not one. BI guys. Here. He we're, is. Only we're, you. But the listeners aren't. Explain your acronyms. So. Extract, transform, Arm and load. load. What, what really do you mean? Well, what I mean <laughs> is, is it, you know, how much work did we do as BI folks when you want to set up a data warehouse? This was all about bringing disparate data sources together, extracting them from the source, transforming them so that you could combine those data together and then loading them into a common set so you could analyze them. Oh, yeah. And that's, OdaData turns this on its head. That's essentially what we've been doing for the last 10 years is, as .NET developers, anyway. Just trying to organize data so that we yeah. could actually combine it in useful ways. And yep. so the idea that we put an OData feed out there so that anybody, you, you skip the ETNT part pretty much, right. just go to the L. Go load up any data you want. Right. Well, but that that's an issue is that there's not much transform available in, in, a, in a tool like PowerPivot right now. Right. right? I mean, there is in that you can you can create your own formulas in a in a brand new formula language called DAX, um, and uh, you could transform formulaically, I suppose. But uh, there's not there's not much opportunity for doing serious data cleaning. But it's where you, this is where you're going to get into whammies. Is you're going to go grab an O data feed on crime stats. 
-hmm. And you're going to want to try and match it to some census data on income levels. And there's no uh, like set of GIS data. There's no like set of time ranges. You know, the crime stats are a given date and the uh, census data is from a a given year. You know, all of those things become challenging. This is where you get into this transform side of the problem. I'm trying to line things up so that they meet up in a useful way. True. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you need to agree on data types all over again. Right. You know, isn't there isn't there a standard uh, organization out there that's trying to define standard types for all kinds of data like this? That would be that would be a good thing. It's not BizTalk. I'm not aware work? of it, but I mean, you mentioned the census, right? The census has this concept of. Um, uh, I think it's called a census named place, right? So when you hear census data about a town or a village or something like that, that that's what it's called. But that um, that entity doesn't is not necessarily coterminous with an actual incorporated, you know, village or municipality or zip code or postal address. All these things are kind of overlapping, but not quite aligned. Yeah, I think that was one of the uh, problems that Microsoft had with with the metadata problem of WinFS. Do you remember they were trying to find, uh, come up with uh, metadata specific to different types of files and different pieces of data that you could search on and all that kind of stuff? Am I am I dreaming that happened? I, I don't know how you got us back, back to Longhorn from... From Power Pivot and the Census. Wow. Well, no, but it's all about it's all about associating uh, um, metadata or or having types that are um, standardized, right? So that you can take globs of data from all sorts of disparate things and and hopefully uh, you know jam some metadata into them or around them that um, that is a standard recognized type. And by the way, it's census designated place, not in census name place. I, I apologize. I think there's even CDP is even an acronym for it. But yes, you're right. Standard taxonomies are are somewhat a contradiction in terms with a lot of public data right now. So it, it's an issue, and probably a good opportunity for entrepreneurial software companies out there who who can introduce some solutions to help clean it up in kind of an automated way. And Daryl Miller says from Twitter, high traffic websites survive because of caching. With OData's highly variable query capability, how will OData services handle high load? Well, I think the loads are going to be pretty, I mean, the, the ability to handle high loads are going to be pretty well correlated to, to the infrastructure. I don't, I don't know that OData is going to be the issue one way or the other. If you're hosting it on your single web server, you know, off your DSL line, you're probably going to have some issues if you're using if you're using Azure infrastructure or for that matter Amazon web services there's nothing there's nothing about OData that marries you to to Microsoft stack really um you know then you're going to have better results if i understood the question correctly if i didn't please please smack me yeah i think I think uh, Daryl Miller's question uh, about uh, caching and uh, query capability this is ultimately an implementation issue I don't think anybody's necessarily committed to a given implementation per se. So it's just a standard. This is the same question you would have had against SOAP or RSS or anything. Right. It's, it's an XML format and a wire protocol. Right. That's, you know, that's all it is, which is both, you know, good and bad. Um, 
we got to start at that low low level and then try and get some consensus around it. So apparently, Google Google has something rather similar, which is unsurprisingly called G data, um, and I think they're both actually based on the same idea of taking Atom Pub and extending it so that you can have, in effect, user defined schema that aligns up with the columns and you know in tables and databases. Um, or you know sometimes it's less structured data, but you still you still structure it that way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the two merge or live in unpeaceful coexistence or peaceful coexistence. Um, Google is definitely proactive in terms of you know hosting government data and services. Um, it's actually Google Maps is integrated like the first time anybody's ever done this is integrated with New York City Transit Authority's um, subway map and, and scheduling data. Right. Um, so. They've got. They've definitely got a head start. Well, and the, the, there's a great debate going on in the IRC channel around the whole caching side of this. So now you get into data variability as to how often is the New York subway schedule going to change? Can we actually propagate cache items out there well? And and who does the querying? Do you just pull the whole set down and query it locally, or do we provide services on the back end to limit the amount of data you're hauling around? Probably going to be all of the above, right? Yeah, but I think it's all implementation at this point. You can choose. If it's a <laughs> if it's an iPhone app, I bet a lot of the data comes down. If it's um, something more browser based, uh, then it'll probably be a lot more dynamic. But again, yeah. the good thing about OData again, you're not just you're not just um, it's not just a dump. It's not just a flat file dump, right? It is it is an XML serialization of live data coming out of the data source, right? So you have an Android phone, Andrew. I do. Andrew Android? Uh, I have the original Droid, actually, as my phone. Wow, the Motorola one. And an iPad? I do, both. You know, um, I I actually took fake, uh, not fake, but non-deserved offense to a caller who who was, I thought was saying to Charles Petzold, you know, how come you don't have a Windows phone? You're like the Windows guy. And, you know, by, I thought he was calling him out because he had an iPhone or something, but really what he meant was, how come Microsoft hasn't given you a Windows Phone 7? And I misunderstood because I'm always getting crap from people who say, you're a Microsoft guy. Why do you have an iPhone? And I say, because it's a good phone. Because <laughs> I want a good phone. I, you know, loyalty goes so far. I'm loyal to Microsoft for the things that I like. Like Visual Studio and .NET. Well, how many iPhones are held by Microsoft employees? They, you know? they love them. Yeah, we walk. We were walking around campus a few weeks ago, and the play, they've all got iPhones. Right. Despite the Wall Street Journal article that uh, that basically claimed that that any Microsoft employee who had one, you know, in addition to not getting reimbursed, also took a bunch of political sort of you know hits for it, which I think was was nonsense. Yeah, I don't think it's true at all. If there's some pretty darn senior people inside of Microsoft with iPhones. So uh, is Microsoft capable of pulling off the uh, the consumer device coup that they everybody thinks and hopes that they will? They're definitely capable of it. They're also capable of, you know, of dropping the ball. So the question is the question is which way will it go? And I I mean I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be tough because Microsoft is and this, it, it always comes back to Android. I'll explain what I mean in a second. But Microsoft is sticking with the model of working with OEMs, 
which means it's not going to control the phone, the hardware, you know, to to a micromanagerial level. They definitely have, you know, a very serious set of minimum requirements, which are it's it's a pretty high bar. So I think the phones will will coalesce together. They'll 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 have a lot in common, and the, and the overall quality will be high. But it's still not obviously the same degree of control as say Apple has. And as we've now learned, even in Apple's case, even when you do have full control, gaffes can happen like antennas that don't work if you hold the phone in your left hand. Um, <laughs> my, my my biggest concern is uh, is how good the touchscreens are going to be because I think Apple has Apple has really set the bar there, and I I, I, I think the best we can do is meet it. Um, if we can exceed it, that would be wonderful, but I, I, I just can't imagine that. So with all these different OEMs, you know, are are all of them going to meet that, that standard or, or not? And, you know, I'm worried that some of them won't. I can't imagine, I think I said this earlier today, I can't imagine more than four different WinPhone 7s just because the, the spec is so high that it's going to be incredibly hard to build a phone that has unique features. Uh, that's right, and and they're not they're not allowing. Not only is the spec high, but they're not allowing OEMs to put their own sort of customized UI on top of right. it, like like the Sense UI from HTC or Motoblur from Motorola. Right. And as I said, it keeps coming back to Android because Android does use the exact same OEM model that Microsoft did. I, the only difference, and this will sound kind of goofball, but the only difference is uh, Google doesn't actually charge <laughs> for you to use their operating system. Yes. Other than that, it's basically the same model, right? Take it, do what, do what with it what you will, um, and, uh, you know, let's see what happens. And, and Android, by and large, it's worked out really, really well. Although the, the I mean, the app store is chaos, and uh, actually taking a given app and running it on a lot of different phones is hard. There's all... Because there's so many different Android phones, well, sometimes stuff just blows up. And there's at least kind of three very prevalent builds of Android out there, right? right. There's there's two one, there's two two, which is just eking its way out, and I guess there's still one point six on some of the older and cheaper phones. What I think's really neat about Android is you have these real like flagship phones, like like the Droid, like the Nexus One, like the um, the incredible. In the Evo and Sprint, and then like we had a babysitter come over last night, so we could go to this birthday party I was telling you about, and she had some fifty-dollar LG phone from Verizon that I didn't even know existed, with the slider keyboard and everything else, and running Android, and I, you know, used it for a few minutes. It seemed seemed really solid. So you have some real low-end phones too, right? Um, in terms of price point, and they've actually they've been able to make the the OS kind of scale to, to both ends of the market, which I think is quite impressive. Mm-hmm. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.com.
.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a toy.